Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. It's going to get warm again. Got a few cool, in fact, we've had some beautiful weather this week, right? Beautiful. Nice, cool nights to sit out on the deck. Enjoy a refreshing beverage if you want. Well, Brewers Outlet imports domestics microbrews. They have the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, all together now. Second Second to to none. none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Great special now between uh, today and Tuesday, Yingling Golden Pilsner, 12-pack, 12-ounce cans, nine forty-nine. You crystallized my thoughts eloquently. I was actually on the deck last night having a Yingling Golden Pilsner. Yes, sir. Very nice. Well done. Oh, it was... Perfect. I gr- I grilled out last night. Well done there. Grilled out. Uh, had the, had some of the grandchildren over last night. Grilled out. Went and got a frozen yogurt afterward. So it's all about. Yeah. Perfect. No, it was it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. Grandpa burned my just just eat it. Okay. <laughs> he burned my burger. What? What? <laughs> this other there. <laughs> I didn't say it was perfect. Just testing the flames on the grill. I'm sure it's still no. got enough. <laughs> no, I went in the house for a second and came back. Oh, whoa. Boom. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. <laughs> we were going with the 80% 20 percentage. Well, that 20, that 20 does drip into the grill. All right. <laughs> we were serving beef tartare last night. Uh-uh. No, no, no. No. Kobe beef? No. <laughs> Uh, and, of course, we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15 in Humble's Wharf. The last bash is this weekend. Greg Pickle will join us from PennLive.com to talk about the recruiting aspect and also his thoughts on the Nittany Lions heading into camp, which will get underway in a week. All 32 NFL teams are in camp today. Meanwhile, beginning camp today, Hawaii, Arizona, Florida, and Miami all beginning their camps today. Why are they beginning today? Because they play in what is called Week Zero, which will be August 24th. See, now August is becoming a more fun month. It's becoming a more fun month. you got Penn State football at the end of the month, the 31st. You've got week zero, the twenty fourth. You got high school football on the twenty third. I mean, it's going to get to the point where somebody's going to shift their thinking to July because July is more of a dead month. And you know who we're talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. 
especially if he starts to deem July as the most wonderful month of the year. Well, again, you know the saying over in his department, sometimes we're doing nothing, we're doing something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the weekend already started early in that office. Oh, fuck. Which, no surprise to you. I mean... They invented the four-day weekend. All right. <laughs> oh. Well, let's see. The Phillies have their big showdown with the Braves starting tonight. I think that this series, and I'm really echoing what you said yesterday. This ought to tell the Phillies exactly how they should handle next Wednesday. How do you handle it? If you close the gap here, then you got to make a move or two. You don't close the gap, and you fall further behind, maybe you have to consider either doing nothing or maybe selling a piece. Soroka and Arietta tonight. And the game is in Philadelphia. Yeah, three with the Braves, then Monday off. It means they'll have three yeah. days off in eight days. Yeah. And then they start a three-game series with San Francisco middle of next week. But um, yeah, that's on the road. Yeah, actually, but it the, is at home. Actually, it is. They'll, oh, they'll stay at home. home. Oh, home. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'll stay at home, and they've got a uh, day game next Thursday. Um, well, they're like, Bryce, they're only, Bryce they're was five, off. Bryce, they're was, hot. They're hot, and they're five and a half back now. Yeah, Bryce was off on Wednesday. Yeah, they had that fifteen-inning game. Late night Tuesday into Wednesday morning, so Gabe decided to give yeah. Bryce Wednesday off, only the second time this season taking a day off, and that yeah. moved JT Real Muto over to first base, and then Reese Hoskins was the DH in that game. So that gave JT a little bit of a, a rest at catcher, so they got some pieces rested going into the series. Jake tonight, see how things shake out. Now you got Nick Pavetta doing bullpen work. Right. Getting shifted to there. Nick Williams with a key home run on Wednesday. I've now well, lost track of the amount of times he's been called up from Lehigh Valley, right. taken down to Lehigh Valley. What I'm like, what four maybe? I've yeah, lost, I've lost a, count. It's the Allentown shuttle. Yeah. But Mike Soroka has been terrific for the Braves this year. There's a terrific. There's a terrific team. Ten and two, two point four six ERA. Guy's given up only 88 hits in 102 innings. He's got eh, like a three and a half to one strikeout to walk ratio, 86 Ks to 24 walks, only giving up five home runs. Arietta's given up 18 home runs. Soroka kid's given up five. Pirates and Mets start tonight. The Pirates, remember at the All Star break, I said, you know, as well as they've done. They're closer to last than the first. Now you can say unequivocally they're last. In fact, they have the second-worst record in the National League behind only the Miami Marlins. Yet, as a batting average, are they going to play the Mets? Now, the Mets aren't very good. We know that. I mean, the Mets have dramatically underachieved. The Pirates' batting average is 15 points higher as a team than the Mets. 15 points higher. So there you go. 
We got Dodgers Washington tonight, Colorado Cincinnati, Red Sox Yankees, uh, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Arizona, Miami, Cubs and Milwaukee, Minnesota and the White Sox, Cleveland, Kansas, Cleveland, uh, Kansas City. So it's Minnesota and the White Sox, Cubs and Milwaukee, Houston, St. Louis, Baltimore and the Angels on the coast, Texas, Oakland, Giants, Padres, and Detroit at Seattle. And all 32 NFL teams are in camp today. All 32 in camp right now. Did you see how Odell Beckham looked in that drill? Wow. Really? Yeah. He caught that. Yeah. It's amazing. Although I did see yesterday on social media, the Miami Dolphins Twitter account, they posted a like a quick little six-second video burst of uh, Mike Isecki catching a real sweet ball in motion. That's what he does. That's what he, yeah, exactly. I've seen, a, I've seen expect, 100 of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've seen more than that, that's for sure. Yeah. So you figure, okay, yeah, we don't need to see this now. We're good. We're just practicing. Ben Roethlisberger says replacing Brown will not be easy. But he promises to bring his A game. Roethlisberger to Brown became the fifth duo to get 700 receptions. They combined for 10,000-plus yards, 74 touchdowns. There you go. How about Ryan Switzer? Two guys don't make a team. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah, we're talking Bell and Brown here. Racked up some good numbers. We'll see. Yeah, I thought Bell was really, really good in the Super Bowl. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So in some Uh, of our Steelers talks... (laughs) I thought thought on punt returns, Brown was awesome in his Super Bowl. Okay, so yeah, it didn't exactly lead to the road that you want. So in some of the Steelers talk that we've that we've brought up, I I mentioned Benny Snell once, and I I got to thinking about it again this morning. Uh, I guess the best scenario for Benny Snell to be in a game would be fourth quarter. They're up three touchdowns and just milk the clock and give the ball to Snell. Because I've been telling people I'll be interested to, I'm really interested to seeing him play, but. I don't know if I want to see him playing in the first half. <laughs> no. So we'll stick with the fourth quarter with a comfy lead. He, he's a good running back, not a great running back. Um, simple as that. Now here's one of my favorite. Melvin Gordon says his holdout could extend into the season. I have two words. So what? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't understand. You're Melvin Gordon. All right. Barry Sanders retired and made everybody want more. If you were to not be there, I don't know if you would be missed. <laughs> I mean, my my holdout might extend to the season. The Spanos family, look at over going. All right, <laughs> you got our number. <laughs> you need to talk to us. Go ahead. I mean, as a Steeler fan, would you want Melvin Gordon or you want James Conner? No brainer. Right. We'll go with number 30. Okay. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles with their stable of running backs, 
Do you want them or do you want Melvin Gordon? I can go through a whole list. The Giants wanted Barkley or, or Melvin Gordon. That's slam dunk right there. A, a, Adrian Peterson or Melvin Gordon. I mean, even back to the Eagles. Hey, I mean, I take I, Jordan Howard over Melvin right. Gordon. Zeke Elliott or Melvin Gordon. Okay, so that's the NFC East. Okay? there's The no vacancy sign is out. Hey, I, I, I don't... Who's talking to this guy? I mean, don't let that one 1,000-yard season go to your head. Ay, ay, ay. Well, you, even brought, okay. you brought up Zeke Elliott. I mean, he's like, where's... They're, they're, Jerry's waiting for him to show up. Yeah, but see, he's worth waiting for. That is true. <laughs> All right. And he missed, what, six games last year? Yes. All right, so UConn is going to leave the American Athletic Conference to re-enter the Big East. Now, they'll do this for all their sports, obviously, except football, but football has to depart the AAC, too. Here's the exit fee. They have to pay an exit fee of $17 million. Now, they've got time to do this. They have to have it paid off by 2026. But seven years, they've got to pay $17 million to get out. Then they have to pay an entry fee to go back into the Big East. Has that number been disclosed? Is that $17 million? No, it is not. Uh, I want to say that number is... Lower? Four? Four million? Denner? Something like that. It wasn't. It wasn't that earth-shattering. Seventeen million, big number. And then we go back to what I brought up at the end of the show yesterday. The Pac-12 is exploring the possibility of playing noon games on Fox. Oh, what's wrong with the noon game? Well, noon game's fine unless you're living in Washington, California, or Arizona, because guess what? Yeah, not noon Pacific time. It's 9 a.m. <laughs> fabulous. Breakfast in Pullman. Love it. <laughs> Nothing like breakfast in Berkeley. <laughs> Jeez. So it makes watching one of the college games, at least one college game day, maybe two during the season, when they're out on the left coast, if it's a big game at Oregon or USC, it's still dark out there when they start. Hey, Chip Kelly, I'd kick off at 6 a.m. When you wake up, if you're a college football player coach, you want to wake up and you want to go play football. The hardest thing with Saturdays when you wake up and then you got to wait until 7 at night. But we're also big on we don't control our schedule and when we kick off. So we just go when we have to go. All right. Okay. Number one, this is in two parts. He is absolutely right about waiting around till seven. I've said this many times when it comes to college basketball versus college football. College basketball, you wake up, you go to breakfast, and you know, say you're playing at seven o'clock at night. Then you leave the hotel and you go to shoot around. So it could take anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes to get to the arena. Boom, you get your shoot-around lasts for a little bit more than an hour. Yeah, you take your time getting out of there, so it ends up being an hour and a half. You take 
10 minutes or 30 minutes to get back to the hotel. Okay. It breaks the day up. College football, there's nothing to break the day up. You have to wait until it's time to get on the bus to go over to the game. That is, you know, so Chip's right about that. As for playing at 6 a.m., There isn't a player in America that wants to play at 6 a.m. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstores, ready for all of your warm weather activities. Camping, picnics, grilling, visit Brewers Outlet first. For microbrews, imports, domestic specialties, they got them. Grab some pickles at the Pickle Bar, Steve Jones' favorite place. Snacks, Brewers Outlet has that covered. Soda, sports drinks, check. Weekly specials, too. And there's lots of convenient parking. So get all the refreshments everyone will love for your next outdoor gathering at Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstore, Reagan Street, Sunbury. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, DePaul head coach Dave Lato has been suspended for the first three games of the 1920 season for failing to monitor his staff after a former associate head coach gave impermissible benefits to a recruit. The NCAA says a former associate head coach received a three-year show-cause order arranged for the assistant director of basketball operations to live with a prospect who had failed to meet NCAA eligibility requirements and had to take additional measures to complete the coursework to gain eligibility. The assistant director of basketball operations lived with the prospect for two weeks. The DePaul program needed size, and it continues to recruit the prospect after warnings that the prospect may not meet NCAA requirements. The former assistant director of basketball operations at DePaul said he knew he was committing violations but he didn't want to risk his job or break the code of silence within the program. He says he did not do the coursework for the prospect, but made sure the player completed the requirements and completed the tests. Schools put on three years probation in Lato. The head coach is placed on a three-game suspension. And the beat goes on. We're going to talk about football recruiting. Greg Pickle, PennLive.com, coming up in the next half hour. King is on at 435 today. And Bryson Stott of the Crosscutters is going to join us on Monday. 
Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Stock up for the weekend right now. And we're in Summary Motors Studio, Summary Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Summary Motors Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Office Depot. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket where there's a great special between now through Tuesday. Yingling Golden Pilsner, 12-pack, 12-ounce cans, just nine forty-nine. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots, 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to be joined by Greg Pickle, PenLive.com. Greg, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, good afternoon, Steve. Glad to be back, and glad to be back from Chicago with a newsy couple days out there. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to uh, the Lash Bash coming up this weekend. Uh, where does this stand on the recruiting weekend for for a Penn State? Well, so I think when you look at it, the new recruiting calendar has changed so much about what we traditionally have known and have watched and have seen in college football recruiting. It used to be that, you know, the time in June and July you had some camps, you know, you'd bring some kids to campus for an event like this and you'd get some commitments, but it may be a little bit slower. Now, with the spring and summer official visits, you have so many kids that make their decision during that process where they take their five trips somewhere between April when the spring games start and then, you know, the end of June there when that opportunity ends. And a lot of these guys decide, look, I've seen everything I need to see. I've heard everyone say whatever they need to say, and I'm going to make up my mind. It obviously benefited Penn State quite well there in June. And I think that, you know, because of an event like this has changed as well, and that's mainly because the August dead period, you know, starts August 1st. The July dead period ended July 24th. So you really only have this one shot to get a bunch of kids on campus, and everybody across the country is trying to do it. I mean, you look across Michigan, Ohio State, just in the Big Ten, then you have all the SEC schools, Clemson, they're all trying to make one big splash on this only opportunity in July to host kids. So whereas Penn State might have been able to schedule this before as sort of a unique or a special event on the calendar, and they had a couple weekends to pick from, now it and everybody else has just this one shot, and it really, I don't want to say dilutes the pool of visitors, because that's not accurate, but it certainly uh, makes it harder to get some kids that you might expect to get on campus, just simply because of the fact that there's so many of them uh, with options that range across the Power 5 schools, and they have to decide where they want to go, what makes sense financially, do they want to, you know, go see a program that's closer? Do they want to spend the money to maybe fly somewhere? There's all these things to consider. It just makes it a little bit tougher than in before the spring and summer official visits were instituted. So it'll still be a good weekend for Penn State. Obviously, they'll have a nice group on hand, and they have a camp tonight that will, you know, attract a number of high talent, highly talented uh, seniors and also underclassmen. So all in all, um, it's nothing to sneeze at event-wise. It just may not be as big as in years past. 
right, uh, there's a period of time, but look, there's the average number of decommitments nationally, I want to say, is between four and six somewhere per program. But when it happens, quote, to your program, I know you're shocked by this, Greg, but panic sets in. Uh, so how well did Penn State, in your opinion, quote, bounce back from the the decommitment stage? Yeah, you know, obviously I don't think that, you know, you lose a couple four-stars, maybe you replace them with some three-stars that could be four-stars in the future. I mean, it's so cyclical with the rating process and guys move up and down, and you might look at it now and say, well, they lost a four-star at this position and they only got a three-star back, so what value did they lose? But for all you know, that kid that they got now it's a three-star could be a four-star in the future. And beyond that, you have opportunities now to go out and attract some kids that maybe weren't looking at your program or maybe that you hadn't offered yet that are of that kind of quality and potential. So, I mean, I think the decommitments, you have to take them all in stride. You have to realize that they're going to happen. And it doesn't, it makes no difference really in my mind whether you see two of them happen in three days or if you have two of them happen over the course of the three months. It's just a matter of how you, as you said, bounce back from it. And I think Penn State has shown, you know, on the field most of the time and in recruiting a lot of the time that this is a resilient staff, it's a resilient team. They find a way to, you know, take whatever circumstance they may have that could be considered unfavorable and flip it into a positive. And that might be taking a kid that necessarily wasn't high up the board, but all of a sudden goes high up the board and you keep your your class moving forward. It could be an opportunity to reevaluate things and see where things stand. Got to keep in mind too that a decommitment from your school could send a kid to another school and that may move a prospect down their board or completely off their board depending on space and now maybe that kid's in play for you. So there's so many factors to consider when these kids change their mind besides just, oh no, what do we do now that, you know, so and so decommitted. There's a lot that goes into it, the juggling of the math and everything else to go. Greg. Um, it, it just you have to you have to find a way to keep moving. You can't get too excited when you get a kid and you can't get too down when you lose a kid because the second you take the foot off the gas for either reason, you know, you might lose other kids who aren't committed anywhere yet, but maybe feel, you know, you haven't been recruiting them as hard as it's school A or school B. So it's a constant push forward. I think they bounce back just fine and uh, you know things will keep moving on from here. Obviously this weekend is a good chance to host kids and then once you get into the fall you start your official visits again you start the chance to have kids come to a you know whether it's a night game like the, what we expect the whiteout to be against Michigan whether it's a night game like the Buffalo game or any other one that might be put on the schedule you know you have lots of opportunities to showcase Beaver Stadium and this football program in the future before that December signing day so if you lose a couple guys early you know life's going to go on I think it's something that you know fans and those that follow recruiting should just become come to expect at this point I mean these kids are deciding maybe earlier than they ever had at least a number of them deciding earlier uh, the number is probably higher than ever in terms of guys deciding earlier uh, and earlier so you know some of these guys are going to say oh wait a second I didn't think this through and they're going to back away from this ledge the good news is for Penn State, you might benefit, they might benefit from that uh, the same way that, you know, it might hurt them at a time. Uh, of course, the this will be the third year with the early signing date, but the early signing date is in December before the bowl games begin or, or in that neighborhood. College basketball has its signing date in November, and then the second one is in April. Do you like where the early signing date is in, in football, or should it be in August and mirror the basketball calendar in terms of how that works? 
Yeah, I, I can see an argument for both sides, quite frankly. I mean, I, I think the way, as crazy as the college coaching carousel is anymore, I think to have kids locked in in August before the season even begins would really create more awkward and more disappointing situations than uh, what we have, you know, now with the two sides behind the center, the position coach up and leaves to the bowl game or right after the bowl game. And, and a lot of, I think, you find a lot of hurt feelings out there. Now, I know that, you know, the old rule of thumb is don't commit to a school because the coaches commit to it because of the school, the school. but that's a lot easier said than done when you know that, you know, whoever you feel the most comfortable with, you know, everyone throws around that word for family now, and I think at Penn State they mean it. I think at a lot of other schools they mean it, but guess what? If you think part of that family now might not be there in a couple months or a couple years, that's going to play into your decision. There's just no, there's no way around it. There's no question about it. So, to me, I like the December signing period for the kids to say, look, I am going to the school for the school if, uh, if Coach Franklin or Coach Day or Coach Harbaugh or whatever, Coach Saban, Coach Moorhead, however you want to slice it, if those guys aren't there, I'm still going to want to be at this school. Then those are the kids that should sign in December, and those are the kids that largely are committed for a long period of time and never change their mind. But for the guys who you know, want a little bit more time, feel that they need some certainty, um, the February signing period is good for them. So I think I like the way it is now, you know. It's, and I'm sure some of these kids, if you gave them the opportunity, you know, Nick Dawkins is a good example, the Parkland three-star offensive lineman. Um, I'm sure if he could sign in August, he would, because Penn State is where he wants to go, and there's absolutely no change in his mind. But I think, I think it would just create more headaches and, and heart, heartache and things like that than, uh, than maybe necessary to move, move one up to August. Are there any uncommitted prospects this weekend that will be here that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah, you know, they have a nice group coming in this weekend. They really do. I mean, I think Theo Johnson's interesting. He's a tight end out of Canada, and he's a guy that when, you know, you look at what he's done in the camp season, and I know there's always going to be a debate about, well, they're not in pads, it's not real football, why does this stuff matter? And I get it to an extent, but, you know, if you can't perform in those environments in terms of explosiveness and everything else, you know, there was a great 247 Sports article not too long ago that featured Matt Roll down at Baylor and Andy Frank, of course, at Penn State, talking about, you know, how they're using analytics to their advantage in recruiting. And, you know, explosiveness and, and things like that were, were prominently mentioned. And, and guess what? I mean, that's what these camps are showcasing a lot of the time, explosiveness and one-on-one ability and how far can you throw a medicine ball and things like that. And they may seem silly on the surface, but, you know, that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. So that's a little bit of a side tangent. But, you know, with Theo Johnson, he's just continued to see his, his rep rise over the last few months. I'm sure that will continue as, the, you know, his senior season gets underway. But he's one guy that's really interesting to watch, and I think a kid that Penn State fans should keep in mind. I mean, I know that – uh, they have one tight end committed already, but I think they're looking for two. Uh, it's pretty clear that Johnson would be a guy they would take. You know, he's considering Georgia, Iowa, and Michigan, and we'll see how things play out. In terms of a commitment, you know, I, if I didn't say it earlier, I'll say it again. I'd never count out. It's not probably not, definitely not from Johnson, but in terms of just a commitment in general, you never count out James Franklin in a uh, a big recruiting weekend situation. He's been known to get guys to commit, whether it's guys for the current cycle, guys for future cycles. So I, I would say stay tuned for fireworks. Don't be disappointed if they don't happen, but don't be surprised either if they do. You opened up by saying that Big Ten Media Day was over. Penn State will have its media day coming up uh, next weekend. Uh, it is, quote, the talking season. So where do you think in the middle of the talking season without seeing any actual football, what do you think of Penn State? 
it's a team packed with potential with maybe more roster talent than they've had in quite some time. The question just becomes how soon is that potential realized? Does it happen in September? Does it happen in October? Does it not happen until maybe closer to the end of the season? I mean, they have a lot of young guys who were highly regarded out of high school and have come here and tested well and done all the right things. You think of Rasheed Walker. You think of Jason Owe. I mean, Micah Parsons. The list goes on and on. John Clifford, Will Levis, K.J. Hamler, Daniel George, Justin Shorter. I mean, it's all potential-based, though, right? I mean, we haven't seen any football from the team yet this year outside of spring practice, but for a lot of these guys, we haven't even seen game action, really, in a lot of ways. So I think that's the, the one curiosity at this point in time is how soon – is the potential of this young group of extremely talented players realized? And then how quickly does it trans- translate to the field? You know, are they off and running uh, right at the beginning of the season? Does it take to the Maryland game and the Big Ten opener to sort of get some of those early jitters and hiccups and mistakes out? Or does it take a little bit longer than that? I mean, there's so much newness about this team. I think in a lot of ways for fans, it should be exciting. I mean, you know, you've seen – the talent pool grow for this roster in recent years. And at some point, a lot of other programs have turned that into some pretty significant things. And Penn State's done some pretty significant things with guys that aren't here anymore. So uh, I think, you know, guarded optimism is probably a good way to describe it. I, I think that, again, when you look at what this team has on paper, there's no reason to think you can't take a step forward. But, again, they have to translate that from paper to field. They're going to have to do it pretty early on. The Big Ten East, I mean, the SEC West, the Big Ten East are the two standard-bearer divisions in college football. Uh, a lot of people think Michigan, this is their time uh, to to step up because they've got the returning starting quarterback. I mean, is that a major factor for a lot of people, and how do you view that? I mean, I certainly thought it was with Trace McSorley, so to not give Shea Patterson at least some recognition in Michigan in that regard would probably seem silly, even though Trace, you know, accomplished a lot more than, than Patterson has so far. I mean, it helps. There's no doubt, but they're installing a new offense. And the, the strangest thing from Big Ten Media Day, Steve, to me was the fact that Jim Harbaugh, you know, was pretty relentless in, in continuously saying that he thought Josh Gaddis's offense was built for you know, Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey and some of the other guys on that roster. And the question I was left with, well, then why did you recruit them? Because when you recruited them, you weren't playing that style of offense. So it's, it's a little bit odd to me that the way that he's gone about, you know, explaining this shift to the spread and the Josh Gaddis and everything else. But, you know, clearly I think it's fair to say Michigan's the favorite to win the Big Ten East on paper. There's questions at Ohio State. You have a new head coach. You have a quarterback in Justin Fields who obviously, again, has all the potential in the world. But, you know, did we see enough during the time he got to play at Georgia to say for certain that this guy is, you know, the one who's going to lead Ohio State uh, back to the promised land? You know, I don't know. I mean, again, he's much like a lot of Penn State's players, a ton of accomplishments in high school, plenty of hype coming into his college career. But the one thing I always wonder about with transfer quarterbacks is why couldn't they beat out the guy that, you know, that, right. that at the school that they were at? What, what was the quality or qualities that they didn't have that allowed them or didn't allow them to beat out the guy in front of them and what does that mean for their future you know as a player at their new school so that's the question i have with justin fields i think when it it relates to michigan the returning quarterback thing is good but just like penn state has to quickly realize its potential missions and have to very quickly get used to to josh caddis's offense a new style of offense for this team they have a returning quarterback, but he has to learn the new playbook and everything else that comes along with it, too. So I think it helps to have a veteran, but at the same time, will he be the one to you know, operate this offense to perfection? That's a question we won't know until at least the end of September.
Greg, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you. All right. You too, Steve. Have a good day and good weekend. Greg Pickle, PennLive.com. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to be with you on this Friday. Brought to you by Brewers Isle at Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. Special between now through Tuesday. Yingling Golden Pilsner 12-pack, 12 Ounce cans just nine forty nine. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. The great people at Sunbury Motors with great product, great staff, great service department. Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes eleven and fifteen in Hummel's Wharf. A great article on Brian Anderson, that the Brewers play-by-play guy, that about the relationship he forged with Marty Brenneman. Uh, for those who may not realize, the great Marty Brenneman, who's the Reds broadcaster, is in his final season with the Reds at the age of 76. And Brenneman has spent his entire career with, you know, well, look, it's, he spent the last four decades with the Reds. Longer than that, even. And Brenneman estimates he's done between 6,500 and 7,000 baseball games in his career. Uh, I want to say Marty's signature is, and this one belongs to the Reds. But he is... uh, Well, we're... The baseball play-by-play guy, and then it eventually has gone over to football and basketball and to hockey, but the baseball play-by-play guy on 162 times during the spring and the summer. You know, the legendary ones were the ones that were able to just connect with their audience, pre-TV or not as much TV. Harry Callis, Whitey Ashburn, Andy Musser, Bob Prince, or Bob Prince, Rosie Rosewell, Jim Woods, the Possum, Ernie Harwell, Chuck Thompson, okay, um, Ned Martin, Jack Buck, Marty Brenneman, Vince Scully. I mean, these are the guys that. You know, Chicago had some legendary ones. Obviously, Harry Carey. They were able to, you know, Marty Brenneman's, in some ways, is trying to think, would he be the last of of that era? Marty goes back. He replaced Al Michaels as the voice of the Reds in 73, I think. Something like that. Because Al Michaels had been the voice of the Reds. And Marty Brenneman did say something. He said something great in the article. He says, there's no... 
He says, there's no such thing as a self-made man. He's absolutely right about that. I always love it. Hey, he's a self-made man. You know what? You may... Your hard work, work ethic, energy, everything like that. But you need mentors along the way. You need somebody to open a door to you along the way. You know, you need something that can and it, to get you on your way. And it's always somebody else that has to open the door for you. I don't care if you start a business from scratch. You still need that first client. So believe me, you know, self-made man, no. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 